This is the Self-Preservation 7 panel. Welcome to the Art of Growth and the last week of our subtypes series where we have been going through all 27 subtypes in the Enneagram, three subtypes per type, and we are concluding this season with a live instincts event. We're going to do question and answer. We're going to share some key learnings, and it is going to be phenomenal. So please join us live. You can get tickets at our website, www.theartofgrowth.org, or look for the link in the newsletter going out this week. Several of the panelists from this season will be there as well, and we want to do our best to help you take your next step in this world because we have seen how much growth can happen through the instincts. Really excited for you all to hear from Suzanne York, who's going to share about the impact the instincts have had on her. And I'm excited that you all are going to hear about it because hearing about it has just been such an incredible gift to us. If you haven't taken our free instincts test, you can do that now at www.theartofgrowth.org. You can also take our free Enneagram test there. We even have a youth Enneagram test on there now. And you can go there to find out about all of our work with organizations, training in emotional intelligence and the Enneagram. And you can even set up one-on-one coaching appointments there as well, or a discovery session, which includes a typing interview and some coaching introduction. So we look forward to hearing from you and helping out however we can in assisting your growth journey. But for now, my friends, let's jump into today's episode with the Self-Preservational Sevens. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the Self-Prez 7 podcast. I am so excited to have each of you here with me. It has been an incredible learning experience for all of us. When the type meets the instinct, it creates the subtype and it looks different. So if I were to take a Self-Prez 7, a Sexual 7, and a Social 7, put them all in one room, there would be a lot that they would resonate with each other on it. And and certainly the core motivation would be the same, but then there would be some key distinct differences. And that's what I'm looking to get into with you today. And so before we begin, would you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? Uh, My name is Marcella and I'm uh, calling in from Switzerland. My name is Susan and I'm calling in from California. Uh, Milton from Memphis. Hi, I'm Andrew, Sydney, Sydney, Australia. All right, well, welcome to each of you. We are talking about the seven, and the core need of the seven is, in short, is to avoid uh, pain and in pursuit of pleasure or through the pursuit of pleasure. And that shows up in various different ways. And of course, we would have different language. For some sevens, it's really the feeling of deprivation or the avoidance of emotional negativity, and in pursuit of things that are interesting, that are fun. But when that meets the self-preservation instinct, that's what I'm curious about is what happens there. So uh, we're looking at three categories under the self-preservation instinct, which is health and wellness. The second one is resources and management of those resources. And then thirdly is the home or the nest, as it's sometimes called. And that's the idea of that place that's safe, that place that's comfortable, place that's beautiful. So let's start with the first one, which is health and wellness. So this this sort of pursuit uh, of, of fun, of pleasure, avoidance of pain and negativity and all that, how does that interact with also the need for health and wellness? 
what for me that looks like is, for example, the typical, the need for sleep for me is like primary, absolutely most important thing. And it's in the context of avoiding pain and taking care of myself. So if I don't sleep well, I don't feel well. If I don't sleep enough, I'm cranky the next day and my it will limit my enjoyment of the day and on, on the activities that I partake, my day at work, whatever. So for me, that would be the main thing is my love of sleep and my sacredness that, that I have towards respecting. And I think in one of your podcasts, you'd said, you know, you have people that say, when are we going, when are we getting home? Why are we not going to sleep? Why are we so late? That's me. There's an anxiety around that because if I don't get it I'm not going to be able to enjoy the rest of what is coming next what I've planned for tomorrow and the next day and I won't have enough energy in order to do that Mm, okay that makes sense sleep for me is uh, a sanctuary but for me it's not really a necessity like you know I can stay up late in the night and wake up early in the morning and and, you know I just roll on so it doesn't matter but uh, for in the terms of uh, uh, health and wellness, and it's funny because in one of your podcasts, uh, I think you said something like the social seven was the um, was the, like the counter to the seven, but I reckon it's the self pres because it gives us. I think the self pres is the like the has a little break on our sevenness, mm. and um, <laughs> so uh, in terms of um, you know health and wellness, I think the self pres for me it stops me going to ten tenths all the time. For instance, I've just got this new fascination with mountain biking. And um, about three weeks ago, I got put in hospital from a, from a fail. <laughs> I, I hit the jumper, I just didn't land it. And uh, anyway, so, <laughs> you know, for me, where my self press comes in is I'm very attuned with my body. So when, you know, when I was in hospital, it's one of those things that I've got, a, I've got a, another, you know, a trip four weeks' time and I need to get there. Yeah, you know, even though I mean I'll bust it up and everything, I'm very laser focused on whether my body is going to mend in time, whether I've got injuries that are, you know, going to need much more attention and a permanent type, whether they're injuries that I know I can manage and get to this trip and be okay. So I'm very laser focused on on you know how my body is reacting and all this kind of thing. Mm. So even like through anything, whether I have a sore back or I have an ache here or a headache there. I'm very in tune with it, you know, right off the bat, although I need to do this or I need to stretch this way or I need to knead and muscle that way or I need to go to the, you know, the acupuncturist or, or do whatever. And, and I'm very focused. And I think it all comes from being very future-driven and I want tomorrow to be good. I want next week to be good. I, want, I don't want anything to disrupt what I've got coming up in the pipeline. So mm. you know, I, want to man- I want to manage everything now. So that I can, you know, have the excitement and have yeah. those, you know, whatever's coming up. And even to the point where, you know, looking into supplements, you know, special supplements that are coming out of the, all these, you know, anti-aging abs around, uh, uh, labs, you know, like in, in Harvard and things like that, the NMN and resveratrol and all these different things. So, you know. <laughs> you actually know the uh, name of these things. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm taking them. <laughs> so, yeah, and for me, it's like, you know, I mean, my, <laughs> it's like squirrel. Um, for me, it's all about, you know, I mean, my goal in life, my biggest goal in life is to live forever. Now, I probably won't do that. Um, you know, 
note on probably. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm looking for everything to get me there, you know, whether it be, you know, making sure the back is good or making sure I'm taking the right supplements or even going vegetarian because I know my body will recover better from injuries or anything like that because less inflammation, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm always focused, very laser focused on, on what the body needs uh, to make that, you know, next journey. Hmm. This is kind of an interesting one for me because I'm, as a seven, very social. I've had migraines since I was four years old. And that really got in the way of my being social. I'm not a big sleeper. I kind of found it was a waste of time, but then I needed it because I get migraines, you know? So it's just like, I, I'm always the first one up in the morning and I would stay up pretty late, like four or five hours is fine for me, but my body can't handle it. Like I'll get sick. Another thing I noticed too, is if I'm like chairing a fundraiser or something where I'm just working night and day. And by the time it was over with my mom knew, she goes, I knew she goes, I knew I was going to have to watch the kids. Cause you're going to be down with the migraine. Like, and that's my way of kind of releasing all that stress and stuff. And it's like, I want to go and do everything, but then I had my limitations and it was especially hard in college and with drinking and partying. Cause I just couldn't go um, like everybody else <laughs> to the walls, you know? And I was so envious of that. Cause I knew if I, if I participated, you know, at a certain degree that I was going to pay dearly the next day. So that's kind of always kept me then, uh, really focusing on health and wellness and, you know, trying to get my sleep, always been active, running, working out the supplements. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I find that that's, that's kind of been something that's really uh, pulled me back, I guess, in that respect. Mm. And then what shocked me is I was doing all these things that I was supposed to do so I could live forever then I had a heart attack four years ago when I was working out and I'm like, well, this isn't working so well. So even with that, I have to pay attention, you know, and really get in tune to my body and, you know, really look for the signs when things aren't going well or knowing, you know, if I'm stressed or, you know, if I know there's a lot of inflammation going on, I kind of hold back on stuff. So I, I will live to be a hundred just at a different pace maybe than I had expected. <laughs> What comes up for me is kind of what you all were talking about. So there's a huge focus on my body. Like there's a huge focus on making sure my body has the things it needs. Um, so what that looks like on the unhealthy version is say, for instance, I have some type of feeling in my body that's not normal. That's not usual, a pain. I mess around and Google it. Now my body is like freaking out because now I think I have the worst thing ever on the planet, um, which is, which I don't, which is good. But I, but like now my body is freaking out and I was like, oh my goodness, instinct and overdrive. Like we must do something, we got to do something. So just like what was everything else people were saying? I mean, you talk about like different type of tea. I mean, Eastern medicine tea, I have so much of it. Like I have stuff on stuff. Like I, I could have my own tea shop. Um, <laughs> how much tea I have, right? And I'm talking about tea from all different kinds of places, not just the herbal tea people think about. I'm talking about that strange stuff that you only can take a little bit of. A little bit is great for you, but a lot will mess you up. So that type of tea, right? <laughs> um, because I, I'm making sure the body is well and checking in with it uh, is huge. Uh, and so when it comes to health and wellness, it's a high focus on making sure the engine is running well. And if it's not, then it's like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? 
I need mm-hmm. to find every way I can. Yeah, and I'll leave it there. Yeah. I'm actually the same way because um, when I was in hospital, I had uh, a drain in the side of my chest because I had a uh, collapsed lung. And um, the nurses um, came in and only half of them knew whether it was working or not. So I straight on the internet, I looked up, I Googled it. I watched all the manufacturers' YouTube videos. I uh, read all the manuals. And so when they came in, I told them when that was not working. <laughs> so so it's, not, it's not a bad thing to research all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's interesting when you, Milton, when you talk about the teas, I forgot about it. But, but after I went through this, you know, I, and the, the Western doctors here and the way they do things are like, you know, like, no. And so I went to this holistic doctor, um, not too far from where I live. And then I went to Chinatown in San Francisco and found this tea shop. And I spent probably $200 on different kinds of teas and how to, I mean, it was like, you know, like I'll do anything to try any, like I'm, I'm that person too, that but yeah, I, I did the teas, a lot of teas. It was fun. I mean, I don't play by my food. Like when the pandemic started, I was ahead of the game. I had already bought like multiple things for the house, like food. Oh, mm-hmm. I had a little small grocery store. Um, <laughs> beside my tea, beside my tea shop, I have a small grocery store. Okay, <laughs> so I'm like I'm prepared. But it's got cans. It's got like everything for an emergency. I mean, forget the pandemic. I'm ready for the for the third world the war. That leads us into the resources, though, right? Because now. Milton's an entrepreneur as well. (laughs) I wanted to add, um, uh, just before we move to the resources about the wellness, the um, sporting, for example, for me, it's extremely important to do sports, but it has to be into routine. So for me, every morning I start with a routine and I go biking around the lake. And I mean, that's just a a non-negotiable every morning. I mean, I also work from home, so it actually helps. And and that's how I make it exciting. You know, I'm actually commuting to work. I go out and I come back home again. So, but it's so important that I get that exercise. And if I can't go biking because it's raining or snowing or whatever, then it's a walk around the block. It's got to be something outside. It has to be something fresh air and it has to be regular. And there's something about the self-prayers that I think, Joel, you mentioned somewhere is about the comfort of the routine. And meal times for me are extremely regular. I mean, there's no eating at four o'clock in the afternoon or skipping dinner. I mean, unless I'm not hungry, obviously, and I'll listen to what my body says, but otherwise it's, Meal times. Uh, my kids now. Some of them are at school. Some of them are not. So it's been you know whoever's in. Meal time is at twelve thirty, max one o'clock if we've got meetings, and dinner is at uh, seven thirty, max eight o'clock, and that's it. <laughs> There's no negotiating. You're either here or you're not here. You know you either eat somewhere else or you eat at dinner. There's no saving food for later so that you can maybe have it at nine or open the fridge, albeit that it's completely full, so that you could always have a meal whatever you need, but it's not a messy affair, you know, the, the taking care of your, of what goes inside. And most of it is, if I can, it's bio, it's organic food, um, homemade, homely cooked. There, there's no ready-made stuff. And I'm, I'm quite strict without getting stressed. I mean, I blame it on the Italianness, you know, of, of the tradition that, you know, you have to cook everything at home. But I think it's actually the self-prayers that comes into it that wouldn't allow me to buy a frozen pizza. You know, I'd have to make it myself because I know what's in it and what's on it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Let's look at resources since we've already started down that path. And I want to visit Milton's grocery store next to his tea shop. Um, and I think that's just amazing. <laughs> so talk to me about resources because the resources has to do, and they are all connected, obviously, you know, health and wellness leads right into resources, you know, and you saw that and the home also plays a role in that. Um, but talk about resources and how you use it, you know, your attention towards it and management of it as well. I think um, when Milton was saying about uh, when the pandemic hit and um, he went out and bought stuff, I was the same way. I was like, okay, I was ahead of the curve and everyone in Australia it hasn't been that bad at all. It's been pretty mild. Um, but uh, when it hit, I said to Melody, I said, we live across the road from the major supermarkets. I said, go across the road. Just buy some stuff, some you know, toilet paper, just blah blah blah. And she goes, "What do you mean? It's you know, nothing. Nothing's happening. It's not that bad." Blah 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 blah. And then it's like four days later, runs on the supermarket. <laughs> it's like I told you, I told you. That's all we needed. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so I, I fully understand where you're at uh, there, Milton. Uh, the other thing with things like that, um, I own my own business. I've uh, owned businesses for. Like, couple of decades now and i've made a lot of money in one and then i did another startup and i lost all my money in that one so so i felt the pain you know uh from having it and losing it and things like that and um so when you're talking about you know uh, running away from the pain in terms of resources I've, I've acutely been there you know it's like having it and then going down to zero again so in this business that i'm in now and it's going really well I'm very aware that when I'm in the business and the monkey mind takes over and, you know, squirrel, something else has come up, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know let, let's focus on something else rather than my business, you know, because that looks really interesting and I reckon we can do really well on that. Uh, I find that my business will just like coast along and not really do much, still you know, going okay and providing resources, but then I've got to... I've got to refocus, and I think that's where the self-pres comes back in, that, that break. you know, um, The self-pres comes back in and goes, no, you've got to focus on this because this is where you're at. And then when I focus again on my business, that's when we have growth, and that's when uh, the business starts taking off and uh, you know, I get more systems in place and things like that. So I think what I find is the self-preservation, especially in business, because if you, if you don't focus, you're going to go out the back door. So I think what the self-preservation has taught me is uh, it's given me patience, which for a seven is you know, one of those things that we don't probably get naturally. So that patience part of it has allowed me to uh, stay focused and move forward and make sure that the resources that I build up stay there and I can build upon them. And mm. um, I think that's that's been a really uh, interesting growth period for me the last 15 years in, in that mm. term. Uh, so building off of what uh, you just said, Andrew, I'm kind of hearing a little bit of that, like avoidance of pain there, like learning about the pain and experiencing it. And I don't want that. And then also the pleasure. And maybe we can hear a little bit more about, is there a kind of pleasure in the resources and having things and possessions, experiences? Does that kind of give you the little bit of that? Yeah. So yes. It gives you the incentive to actually be patient. When it was bad, I literally had to go to work from four o'clock in the morning till five o'clock at night, six days a week to get it back on track. And uh, that actually started producing the resources, started producing the money, started uh, making our lives better. And I remember that 
that Chris, so I had to you know get let, let go of uh, my employees because of, you know, I didn't have the money to, to keep them, and uh, you know going back to zero and then doing the work and then the resources started coming. It does give you that incentive to stay focused, you know, and then you know you have more money to enjoy your family and your life and you know go out and go to a restaurant or you know go on a trip and and things like that and that's that allowed us to you know start saving up for a, for a big you know world trip putting money aside i suppose that's another part of the resource you know start putting money aside every week to go on a go on a trip with our family overseas for 3 months so that was a 7 year goal that we set which is uh something that was really a really good part of you know mm. um that process as well I think when it comes to self-preservation and being a seven, I think there's a sporadic nature to it um, because there's moments where I won't spend a dime. I will, mm. I will like build up my resources like crazy, like any, any type of resource. But then there's moments where I will splurge and ask if I have all the money in the world and it's just this <laughs> weird thing happening in places where I usually don't really hold back. It just depends on the, on the moment is around resource, like personal resources, yeah. Um, like food, comfort, I'm telling you, I will spend on those things. <laughs> I, it, it don't even matter what it is. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, I have Amazon just put another chair outside my door because the one I have right now is not comfortable enough. So I got a new one that's got some lumbar support and one of them headrest things, you know? So like, I'm all about like... The comfort when you talk about resources. Oh, my goodness. Um, just going back to my tea shop and my store. I also have almost like a, a little medical shop, but it's a real small one. Like, listen. Oh, it's a doctor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is getting I'm better and better. You. You're going to say MD instead of MBA. <laughs> <laughs> just like b- before the pandemic hit, I was already doing research. I was looking up what stores had the type of masks, like N95s, that I could go get because they were like all out. I had found one store, like a Home Depot, that had them. And I went there and I, you know, I've been doing my work. So I didn't take all of them. You know, I just took a big box of like 30 plus of them. Right. And so I got my box. I left another one there for someone else because this is real. Right. And I got my box and I was ready. So I was ready for the whole time. So resources as in having that, like I made sure I got that to protect myself, you know, and those I love. So that was something um, along with just anything stocked up on vitamin D, all these vitamins. Like I just stocked up on resources. I was like, just in case, don't know what might happen. But I got this. So making sure I'm okay and I'm safe is a big deal. Another resource, personal energy and time, work. Like I made sure that they knew that I would not come back in the building. I would be working remote. Like that resource, my body, my my self prayers instinct, it's too important. I was like, I'm not going back in there. Like until like mm-hmm. I get vaccinated or we know, you know, it was early in it. You know, we thought it was gonna last two weeks. It was so funny. I remember we were preparing the online stuff. It's just gonna be two weeks. A month later. Woo, now it's a whole year. And um, so that just really helped. Um, that just helped me to just to see even more of my self-presentness going on. And I think it really helped during the pandemic, to be honest, because I'm okay with being, which we'll go to later, with being at the house. I'm okay with it. And uh, I, I like to engage with people, but I'm all right. So I'm going to leave it there and let, you know, Marcello, so, Susan jump I, in. I really love what you're saying because it is helping to distinguish the difference between social and sexual sevens who would not be thinking in those ways like that is that is really 
illustrating that piece of it that does. And I think to your point, Andrew, earlier, yeah, I think it does hold back. This is why the like a strict counter type language may not work consistently for everyone, because there are aspects of the self presence like, well, yeah, I'm not going to just I'm not just going to kind of just go at it with uh, this sort of, you know, everything's great, positive attitude. There's still things that you have to pay attention to um, that could go wrong. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, let's, uh, Marcella and Susan, what's, uh, what's on your mind? What, what's coming up for me is I'm kind of more of a steady, um, there's a steadiness to my self-preservation, um, in the sense of, on the one hand, there's some anxiety that is attached to it. For example, when on my fifth last toilet roll paper, I'm already going to buy the next, you know, the next big bulky bag. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So, um, but I'm good, you know, because it's under control because I've got five rolls, you know, worth, but they'll never go down to one. Um, at the same time, it's like everything is under control, you know, the, whether it's the, the fridge, the, the resources uh, in the house. And I wanted to add that part where the excitement comes in, the pleasure, you know, that comes in, for example, related to this planning and anxiety. So, I need to know what we're having to dip for dinner. I need to know what we're having for lunch tomorrow. So just make sure that I know what's going on. So I'm planning it. I know that the fridge is full so that I can make this, that, and the other. Everything's good. Then on the day, I'll open the fridge and I'll go, yeah, I'll put that, 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 that. And it has nothing to do with what I thought I, thought I, had, I was going to do that evening. But I need to reassure myself, you know, the day before, I needed to know that I was going to cook pasta and something. But then there's that excitement, that wanting to do it, that spontaneity that comes on the day itself, yeah. half an hour before dinner time. It's like, I'm going to do nothing of what I plan. I'm going to do something completely different. And of course I've got the ingredients. And if I don't, I'll put something else in. I did um, a couple of days ago, I wanted to do a guacamole and I had some avocados and I didn't have any, any lemon. But then I remembered that way back in the cupboard, I had this kind of seasoning for chicken, lemon chicken or something like that. So it had some lemon in it. Put that in there. Best guacamole I've ever made in my uh, life. <laughs> yes. And all of us are right now like selling I know. It. So good. <laughs> yeah, but it's just these little things that that spice it up. Because otherwise yeah. I feel that I, you know, my self-preservation could really cut through the sevenness of the excitement, the spontaneity, the pleasure. But then it kind of always pops pops in like yeah. that. In yeah. these moments. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. Okay, so I'm kind of all over the place on this. Like I said, it's we understand. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. This group of people understand. We understand more than anybody else would ever. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm in really good company. So yeah. <laughs> I when when the pandemic, well, the two weeks came, I thought, okay, um, you know, I bought some food and then I made a lot of cookies and did a lot of baking, started putting on the weight, and then it went on and I'm like, okay, this isn't gonna work anymore. But I I did load up on food just because that was so important. I remember going to Costco and seeing the line. And I mean, it went way around. I go, oh, hell no. I'm going to find something else. I'm not doing that. I'm not. It's a poor use of time for me. Like, I'll find it. It's painful. Yeah. And, and I never, I mean, it all worked out. I didn't go out of my way and I didn't go over crazy over it. I just couldn't get into it. Um, 
but it's funny because and then as far as um like the home stuff i've always been one that have that did things on my own like i had horses and if i wanted something done at the barn i would build a fence or i would figure out how to do things and mm. i enjoyed doing it but i've always been and when we we you know we did some stuff to our house and like i didn't like the the rough um you know like had a semi rough texture and i wanted to smooth it out and i spent hours and days and you know just smoothing it out and doing everything myself because i I always hated the fact that I'd pay somebody to do a really crappy job. And I thought I can do a crappy job for free. So, you know, cause that would always make me mad. So my daughter, they just bought a condo and they were going to have come, you know, have some kind of benefit the whole thing. I go, you know what? I can do it. Your brother and I can do this. And we did it for like $300. And we saw these two guys outside that were painting somebody else's place for 3,400. And we're like, Oh, look what we've done. Except for she keeps calling me and going, when are you going to finish the trim? <laughs> oh, <my God>. uh, <laughs> oh, dear, God. Yeah, moving on, moving on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then um, it's kind of funny, like with the finance and stuff, I've, I've played the stock market since I was probably in my early 20s. And so that's something every morning I get up and I look to see what the stock market is doing. So I, and, you know, I, I don't do like day trading, but maybe weekly trading kind of things that I love doing that. And like Milton said, you know, you can, you can be so, um, mindful of your money and where it's going in one hand and then something else comes up and you go, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I want to do this and yeah. you know, taking your whole family out to dinner and just kind of going for it. So I kind of am the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth and stuff, but, but always um, thinking about it and, you know, being mindful of it. But the other part of me just kind of takes off on a whim sometimes. And I'm like, or I buy Absolutely. something and figure out and go, I hope the market does well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of sets your mood for the day too. When you wake up and you're already down like, you know, $4,000, you're like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's where, I mean, you, Susan, you've done a really good job of bringing out the other aspect that, that is, it's excellent because you're, re, everyone's kind of rounding it off. Like, okay, so you talk about, you know, the sort of practical know-how, that's an aspect of the resources uh, category where you fix things. You just have this intuition, this kind of like, I know once I get into it, I'll figure it out, you know, and I'd rather do it myself and, and the attention to money and how much that costs. And, you know, um, there's a, you know, a kind of a meme around self-pres sevens, which is I know a guy or I know someone <laughs> like, really like aware of where to go, like that whole resource intelligence that like I know where to go and <clears throat> where there's a little bit more for the self-pres seven, a little bit more of a, and this get, brings us to the home piece little bit more of a circle that's closer to home. Like we've got, you know, I've got my people. I know who my people are. I know who I can rely on. I know who I can call for, uh, for help may not be for all self-pressed sevens. Cause again, what we're looking at is, do you have two of those categories is really strong within you. Maybe the third one, not so much that that's generally how it works. Um, so talk to me about the home, the nest and, uh, you know, how your seven shows up there. So one of the names they kind of call sevens uh, is the self-prayer sevens. It's like gourmands. Like we yeah. love, it. I'm almost offended. There's not a food section that we're about to talk about. Like, cause it goes in all of them actually, right? I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't play about my food. Like yes to a buffet to a certain degree, you know, but like good food 
good drink. Like it is paramount. And if I can have it at every meal, I will do my best. And here's the self press part I have to be careful with. It's like when it talks about eating, I'm kind of like, um, I'm going to get my food and what I need, you get yours. And I had to be careful because when you're in a communal, you know, situation, it's like, uh, hey, I guess we can, you know, but like naturally my instinct is like, I'm going to go get my, what I'm going to get to eat. Marcella was hitting on it. It was like, there's no mess, no fuss around it. Like I am really good at taking care of myself. That's one thing someone asked me, like, what's the hardest part or easiest part of being like a separate seven? I said, taking care of myself. That's easy. That comes natural. I don't play about that. And I don't play with my food. So like, it's, it's a really serious thing. It's not just like, I like good food. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'd go. I, I'm so happy you're saying that. And Marcella, I want to hear you. I'm so happy you're saying that because it's such a critical point. This isn't about, I enjoy good food. Like I could say that. I'm so happy you said that because I feel that, oh, I love food. I love the taste of great food. I love it. But for you, you're saying it's not just that I like it. It's like, this is a necessity for the self-pres instinct. Yeah. And also for me, I'd go to the extent where if I'm going to a party, for example, or here in Switzerland, there's a, this great tradition of atejo, which is a, a sort of drinks before dinner, but they serve all these little snacks and things and like crisps and stuff. I'll eat beforehand. <laughs> so I'm eating my answer. Milton, you can, you can dig me another. <laughs> yes. Um, if I could high five you, I would high five you. Exactly. Like I'm a, I will eat before I get there if it's not going to be good food. I must like that. Would wow. that is something that could make me very cranky? Is if like the food is not right, or I'm getting hungry, or I'm in a place where the food. Oh, I I can I can get that Snickers commercial type of like shift in myself where I become a whole different person. And like what's <laughs> yeah. going on? I'm just hungry. That's what's happening. I need yeah. to eat. Yeah. And, and I think it, for me, if it's related back to home, so, so what we were saying for me, it's, it's that comfort. It's not for nothing that they call it comfort food. That's really yeah, what it means. Yeah. Not in the real way of, you know, you comfort yourself with food, but it represents to me that, that homeliness, that coziness, mm. um, that hearth, you know, the, I have three boys now they're sort of young adults and really it's like food around which we bond, um, the table, you know, the table is always laid out properly. It's, it's really the, um, you know, the warmth, the, the warmth of the house, um, that comes it's an experience through. for you. It's an, it's a total. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, Joe, the way, the, Joe, the way that you were like, it's, I said, that's, yeah. you experienced that. That's, that's You're not just, oh, yeah. this, you experience. And round, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of um, welcoming, bringing in, for me, that's the home, homeliness part. Not so much that, you know, whether my chairs are comfortable or my sofa is comfortable. I mean, I do take care of the house and I do make it cozy and I, I do, um, I do like it to be organized and tidy. Um, I'm not, I'm not a complete, um, you know, tidy freak or clean freak, you know, just good enough, but it has to have that cocoonness, that cocoon element to it. And the, now that we're working from home, I mean, I live in a flat, uh, in an apartment, not, not in a house. So it has three bedrooms and then a living room and a dining room. But one of my kids came back and so he's got the living room. So the living room is missing. And it really, you can feel that there's no place to gather. 
Each one of us is in a room and then we gather only around the table. And that's why the table has to be so, is so important. That's why the gathering is so important because there's no, there's no sofa time. There's no TV time. There's no gathering time. And that for me is part of the self-prayers, that roundness. And I'm, I keep gesturing. You, you can see my Italianness coming through, right? <laughs> the round, the cozy, the, the what... soft, the cocoon. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of adding on to that, I do love comfort. I've, I've realized some things pretty recently of some things that track back to my like childhood. So I'm going to hit some of those things. One thing, like I was a, a germaphobe before the pandemic and now I'm just a clean person. OK, but anyway, and, I, <laughs> and, and it's not like it's not like extreme, but like if I go to a hotel, I'm going to spray the bed down with Lysol because I don't trust. And this is before the pandemic. Right. I don't trust these things like it could be dirty, it could have germs. Um, if I'm going to sit at a restaurant on a seat, there's a certain like certain booths make my skin crawl if they don't look like clean, I guess. It's not even just clean. Right. It's just like, no, I'm not going to sit my glutes there. Nope. Um, <laughs> like for real, like these are these are certain things. And then like my groceries, I have them delivered because just like Susan was saying, I'm not going to stand on the line and waste my time. So people bring me my groceries. So I pay for that service. When my groceries get to my house, I wipe them down before I bring them in the house. Wow. And then I, I've been doing that for a whole year. I'm like, who? I'm getting tired of doing it. But that is like my making sure that I'm safe and secure. Like it's like, it's important. So that's super important. And then everything else, when we talk about house, like I really do try to make like every spot I have like conducive to something that is comforting or the focus of what I need it to be. Um, but most of is geared around comforting. Like literally I have this under my feet right now. This is one of those things you put on your feet to be comfortable. I am sitting on a purple cushion. And if purple cushion ever wants to support, you definitely can. You know, like purple, the bed you can lay on. I have the seat cushion right now under me. What else do I have right now? You can't even tell. I have a blanket on my legs right now because temperature matters. I love, listen, listen, I like to be comfortable. I will wear a blanket or something around the house like all the time. Like I am like at a kingly robe on or something, okay? But what I realized too, um, when I was growing up, the self-presence was there too. I used to have a blanket that I carry around everywhere. I gave the blank, I gave the blanket up at three, but that blanket for me was safety, security, and comfort. It was all those mm. things in one. So I had it with me all the time. I had this feeling, right? And so that's also the home thing. When you talk about clothes that I wear, like I'm trying to get merino wool, like nice fabrics and all type of stuff that feel good on the skin. I just found bamboo. Uh, what is it? Bamboo. Like, it's, it's like bamboo, um, it's bedspreads, but like, I'm telling you, it's better for your hair. It feels good on your body. You sleep better. It regulates your heat and everything and your coolness at night. Check it out, y'all. If you haven't, that bamboo wool is, is fire. So I just wanted to share that about home and some mm -hmm. of my self-presence. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's, uh, it's funny. You were talking about, um, food and, uh, since I've gone onto a plant-based diet, food has become less of a thing for me. We, we've found a few very good vegetarian restaurants and I love going there because I, I mean, I love you know, nice gin and good food and all the rest of it. Um, but I think it's the edge has been knocked off because you don't get those, you know, succulent ribs or that nice steak and things like that, which I still have in my memory, but it's not really there and present anymore because I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that um, when I finish a day, all that memory gets 
kind of like flushed down into deep memory. Like someone can say, well, what'd you do yesterday? I'll, I'll, I'll look at myself, you know, I'll think to myself and I'll go, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know what happened yesterday. I don't really know, happen, know what happened last week. So it's all about the future. But in terms of the home, and uh, this seems to be a theme coming up from me, <laughs> it's like running away from pain. <laughs> so it's more about the atmosphere. So, you know, I live with a sexual four wife, so it's like a four on top of a four. The same, do- same daughter, four on top of a four. I've got a self-pres five son, and I've got a um, 10-year-old who's um, high-functioning autistic, and he's an eight. So he likes to wind everyone up. And he's very smart, so <laughs> he knows what he's doing. So for me, it, the self-pres is like trying to keep this calmness in the house, trying mm. to keep people away from me. For me, um, in the home, it's all about uh, the atmosphere, you know, making sure that the atmosphere is nice and calm or positive or, you know, if I find the, the temperature rising up, you know, I'll say, well, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's go for a swim. You know, I'll take the kids out and I'll go for a swim. So, um, you know, disperse them or, you know, take them away and get them you know, active. And the other thing also is um, being a self-president, it's all about, uh, or I found it's all about uh, learning the lessons from the past. So, again, the pain that I've had, I'll, you know, try and take that and put it into the positivity of the future. Um, so, and I, I try to give that to my kids. So, you know, if they have a problem or if they have something they can't deal with, I try to, you know, let them know that it's okay. Just learn this lesson because the next time you do it, it's going to be better. You know, uh, look forward to this because the pain that you've experienced can teach you lessons for the future. The future is always where it's at. So always learn from what you've had, but don't dwell on it, you know, because I don't dwell on it because I forget it. So don't dwell on it. It becomes like a flavor. So part of the flavor that is me, you know, it just becomes part of me, those kind of incidents and, yeah. and molds me for the future. It comes intuitive. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's exactly right. That's what I was looking for. Our yeah. intuition is we remember this pain. Yeah. And so it's part yeah. of what keeps us from ever going near that in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what it's like for me. It's, it's just, it's all, it's all about the, the comfort of the home and the atmosphere and making sure mm-hmm. that everything's going forward in a nice, fun way. This has been incredibly insightful. This is also the reason why, by the way, a lot of sevens who are self-pres sevens will think that they have a six wing when they first come to this stuff on the instincts. And then pretty soon discover that, oh, no, that anxiety, not at all, not all of them. There's a variety of reasons why even self-pres sevens will think that they have an eight wing. But the ones that do they point to the anxiety around resources as being the reason for why they think they have a six wing, that there's extra a prepare, you know, preparation. There's a, it's a little bit more planning around the self-pres. Um, and so oftentimes that, that will happen. What came up for me is um, growing up, there was five kids in my family and we always had breakfast together. We always had dinner together. My and we're farmers, and so we grew up in a, in the you know small town country. And my dad would come home, take a shower, and we'd all wait for dad to eat. And so, and my mom was a good cook, and she was a good baker, and everything was from scratch. And so, I kind of grew up with food is really important. And even now, like if we make something that's really decadent, my dad, who's eighty nine, will say. 
you know, what a person might want to do is if you put some hot fudge over the top of it, like he can take whatever you're doing and just jack it up even more, you know, and this is absolutely perfect. It's like, he's, he's, he's going to take it and steroid it. You know, it's the funniest thing, but our family is all about food. We, I mean, we have a family cookbook that we put out and the whole deal, but I noticed like in my household, I don't live in a fabulous house. I rent this small house in a really nice neighborhood. And yet we have the best parties and people come over and they just go, I love your house. Uh, it's so comfortable. It's so, and I love your yard. I like flowers. I like to cut my own flowers and greenery and do my own arrangements, you know, and I love doing all that stuff. And we, we do focus on the food. Everyone's talking days ahead, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then when it happens, we just have the best time. And it's just fun for me to have. And it's usually my daughter and my sons and all their friends and, you know, all of us and, and just have really nice gatherings. And it's, it's really, it's really important. Um, and mm. that, I think that's the thing for me that um, things don't have to be perfect but they have to be up to a certain par for me. You know, I can, I can let something slide. Like you're talking about the housework and stuff. I don't get all up in it, but then it's going to be nice. But like with Milton was talking about sheets and stuff and, you know, like I love my cashmere sweaters and I love to feel comfortable. And yep. we talk about now, you know, in the pandemic, not wearing hard pants I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like our jeans and stuff, because we've all been in soft pants. And now it's, it's hard to get in the hard pants now. <laughs> but yes. yeah, for I multiple think, reasons. Yeah. What, and so what really brought it home for me is, um, is when I think about home, I think about family and I think about friends mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think about, you know, just all getting together. And then when, you know, people aren't here, of course, I want things and I have a hard time actually buying things like for my house because it's got to be just right so pick out a couch oh God, you know it's like it's a big deal where i know some people that go oh i change my bedspread every year i'm like oh no when i get mine is really and you know i mean like and it's weird to me because i can't just let go of things once i bring them in they're important to me and i can't let them go like that like Oh, that's last year's bedspread, or I'm going to redo my room. I, I'm like, no, I take a lot of time in what I bring into my home mm -hmm. and then something. And um, that's what I'm just like, oh, God. that gives me anxiety to think of just flipping stuff out and trying to decide again. Yeah. <laughs> just building on that, for me, there's also, because I can't let go of stuff, I'll transform it. You know, I use it for something else. So I'll put it into another room um, and then, you know, arrange it differently with something else next to it. And so it looks like something new, but it's actually the same, same old, same old. And, um, and then something else that it made me think of is since we're working from home at the beginning, for me, it was really difficult to combine the office part and the home part and I work in my bedroom I have a I have set up a corner with a desk and my laptop and in the end I asked a friend for a um, like a windscreen exactly like a, a screen and I actually screen off my office when I'm using it as a bedroom and then I screen off my bed when I'm using it as an office because I can't reconcile the two my home is my home is separate and private and and 
safe is what the word that we said. And it's not to be tarnished by work or, you know, tarnished perhaps might be too strict, but invaded. That's, that's it. it. It would be invaded. And I always have a virtual background so that people can't see in, in the room. But sometimes, you know, you forget to put it on. And so they, they see it and there'll be a colleague that's actually been in my room. That freaks me out completely. Like I, it gives me anxiety that, that they've looked into. It's not because it's untidy or because it's ugly or whatever it is. It's just that they've, they've been in my room. Yeah. This is the way you're describing this is so incredibly helpful. A bunch of other self-pres of every other type would echo with a lot of what you're saying. That's the sort of self-preservation energy there that pays attention to who's in my bubble, who's in my inner circle, you know, and who am I allowing into that space? I got to really trust you. I got to really like you. But also conversely, what's fascinating is not all self-pres types, but a lot of them prefer having people over their house than actually going to someone else's house. And it's again about the comfort and the experience of the home and what you're describing, which is a more visceral connection. It's a body connection to the physical world and to your physical world, as opposed to say sexual types and social types, which tend to be more ethereal. It's more in the head. It's more in the abstract. Well, let's take a look at the second in the stacking. So this is your uh, neutral instinct, the one that doesn't really create problems for you. You do it. And generally, we use it, all of us use our second to serve our first in some distinct way. So I'd love to hear from you. How do you, which one is your second? And then how do you use that second instinct? My second instinct is social. And uh, social works really well for me. It doesn't do too much, like my self-prayers, and doesn't do too little, like my sexual one-to-one. And so I'm able to, like, I'm really good at facilitating inside of groups because I understand that it's not about me. It's about the group. I'm not trying to make too deep of a connection to anybody in the group, but I'm connecting enough to everyone's engaged. And so I think the social aspect kind of serves um, my self presence. It's a way that can actually keep people at bay because it's like I'm a part of the group, but I'm not too engaged with you at the same time. So it's like that balance. It's kind of like, Oh, he's a part of the group. He's doing things. He's helping. He's a part. But then he's not too engaged. I'm not giving you all my information and connecting too too close. But it's like, I'm here enough. I'm doing enough. Um, so I think that's what it does. So it creates space for my self-presence to be like, to actually create more distance for myself when I need it. So that's how it serves my dominant instinct, I would say. Yeah. It still gives you an outlet for connection with people, though, as well. It, because you you do need the connection. You do desire connection with people. But in some way, it's like that social sphere is a good sphere because of that, the way you're describing it. That's that makes a lot of sense. In social, there's social structures and like, you know, rules. So it's like they have some rules so nobody can get too close. It's like, (laughs) unless I allow you to. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. For me, that that dimension of you know being involved but not just enough also serves my network, so that I know I have just enough people around me that I can go to. And when we first moved to Switzerland, I had two very small children and no network. I didn't have family, you know, just like plopped into this country. Didn't really speak the language. Here we speak French. And suddenly I was like, you know, what do I do here? I can't do this on my own. I need a community. And I remembered Nelson Mandela. I think he said, you know, it takes a village to grow a child. I'm like, I need two villages here. I got two children at the time. 
So for me, it was all about going, hello, bonjour, hello, bonjour, bonjour, like really feeding that social. But it's, it wasn't an effort. It's not where I feel at my most comfortable, you know, being in a huge throng of people, hanging out, dancing parties. That's not where I'm at. But I'm like Milton was saying, I'm good enough. I can navigate through what, what's happening, through the dynamics. I know who's like, in a bad mood or who needs to be, you know, talked to, who's feeling left out. So it's a skill. For me, the social instinct it feels like a skill that I can do, you know, I could, I could do social and I've grown my community around here so that, you know, I know all my neighborhood. I know all the local shopkeepers. This is a small town. And at one point when my, when my children are sort of not too young, not too, not too old, I was um, volunteering a lot and I was greatest networker. Like I would know everyone just because I'd be part of this activity. I was in the choir. I was doing a TEDx event, but now I, I mean, I have them all in my contacts list, you know, so just in case I haven't deleted them, you never know, but I don't keep up constantly with every single person. You know, I still have my, my little tribe, you know, of, of people that are around me uh, constantly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And one more thing. I just want to add one more thing. Cause you were speaking like the social instinct when it comes to like speaking to groups, like if I'm doing a speech, I would rather speak to a thousand people than to speak to like 10 people. Um, because self-prez version of me don't really want to speak to people I don't know in a small group that I can be like intimate with and see their eyes and all this stuff. And But a big group, 10,000 people, please, I, I'll speak in front of them. Social instinct is like, let's get it. We're healthy. Let's do it. So it helps uh, my self-presence in that way as well. Yeah. But your comfort would be around the people you do know that you're close to who are in your immediate circle. Correct? Oh yeah, most definitely. I got a small circle too. I'm feeling kind of wonky on this one because um, as Milton was talking about like facilitating and what have you, I'm, I'm good with that. I can read people's body language and see things that are going on with them. I, I can feel it. You know, I can just kind of sense that something's happening. I can go to a function and I know just a little about a lot of things. So I can really engage with people and, I can make people, you know, feel welcome and comfortable. People will sometimes just open up to me like weird stuff. And I love, I love connecting people with someone. Like if I know somebody and they do that, I love to go, Oh, you know, you got to meet so-and-so and you guys would just do so well. And that's really fun for me. But then I also find there's times where I really almost go inward where like, if I walk down the street, I don't really want to acknowledge anyone, you know, I'm kind of like, so I'm not always running around trying to make everybody my best friend. I can go from this or that. It kind of depends on my mood a lot of times. And I don't know if that's part of the self-preservation as well. But um, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, I feel. On that yeah. So would you say social is your second as well? Well, it's it actually when I've done it twice and it came up really strong as my first one. And then another time the self-preservation came up, but, but in having these conversations, I can see where they are really intertwined. And I guess sometimes it just depends on. So I wonder if there's that, that the sevenness comes into the social and kind of mix it up a little bit and um, jazzes it up a little bit. That's what I was thinking too, if the seven, you know, if we're, you know, enthusiastic and all of that, and then the self-preservation kind of yanks us back a little bit or, you know. Yeah. Well, particularly if you're not, you know, again, if you're not feeling 
Uh, well, you know, health and wellness. If you're not feeling really in a good place emotionally and physically, because health and wellness, wellness has to do with also emotional wellness. So it's not just mm. how am I doing physically? It takes in a little bit of that, like, you know, the, the description that Milton was giving about, you know, not eating or not having enough food or whatever. And you get really unhappy, that hangry feeling, you know, that also happens with emotions. Like I'm not, it's not that the seven is aware necessarily of what emotions are happening. It's just that if the emotions are not in a good place, then there's sort of a retraction, a pulling back that's going to happen. The self is aware of that. So it's saying, ah, let's pull back. Let's protect you uh, from being your normal, upbeat, jovial kind of positive self. One growth point for me has been to be okay with that. You know, that if I'm not the upbeat person, then be in the group anyway and or the, the small group and and it's okay. You know, no, don't say anything. Just listen. Like, listening is has been a skill to develop. And yeah. um <laughs> look at Milton. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that, Marcella. It's the um one of the exercises the, the phrases I use in my head as an exercise is uh be present. Anyways, be present and engaged. And even if you're not feeling quite right, even if you, um, you know, it's not something you want to be a part of right now, be present and engaged. And, uh, and that has, that does change a, a whole lot. So for you right now, Susan, at least <clears throat> it's a toss up. You're not sure, but this is part of the exploration for you. Um, and I, and I relate to all, everything that you've all said, I'm friends with everyone but very, very few close friends. And I'm good in a group, happy to be there, but I usually won't instigate the group. But um, as Susan said, you know, I know a lot about a lot of things. Oh, sorry, I know, I know something about a lot of things. You know, I don't have to know everything, but uh, because I can pull threads from everywhere, I can link it all together and have this conversation in a, in a, in a deep way with virtually anyone on anything. Um, and the other thing about uh, social for me is that uh, one of my um, favourite sayings is twice the beauty is seen once shared. So if I'm going to go have an experience, I want to have an experience with someone else, you know, uh, because I want to be excited, but I want to be excited with someone else. For instance, uh, even in my business, you know, I want, I want to make money for myself, but I want to make money for everyone as well. Um, mm -hmm. So we all go and have fun. We all can get, you know, a, like this mountain bike trip, we're all going. That's the thing is that within the social part of it, for me, it's like, it's just not as fun when you do it by yourself. Although some things are when you get in, when I get in my car and go for those B roads, then, Hey, you know, I don't want anyone in the car because I want to be driving how I want to drive. And I don't want anyone saying, go slow down or don't hear that corner so fast. Or, you know, I'm feeling sick. <laughs> so, and, you know, but um, for, for other things, it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to, have fun with other people because it really feeds into that, into the seven part of me as well. So, you know, the social mm. feeds into the seven and the seven, so, you know, feeds into the social, but, I, but um, being a self prayers, I won't necessarily instigate it. Like I won't be the first on the dance floor. I won't um, organize the party because like some of you said, you know, it's nice and comfortable at home. It's nice to chill, but you know, when it's on, I like, I like playing with, playing with friends. Mm, yeah. I really liked what you said. I know a lot of people. I would add, but not a lot of people know me. 
very few people know me really, really. Yeah, that's way different than the sexual seven. Like, I mean, there I'd say, I don't know who you people are because uh, as a sexual seven, you're going to hear stuff. I'm going to say stuff. And my wife is horrified because I just put stuff out there and she's like, what is wrong with you? So let's go to the third then. The third for all four of you is the sexual um, instinct. So talk to me about that. Yeah, time out here. Talk to me about the sexual energy. Uh, what problems? What energy? <laughs> Can you spell it? There's a third type. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this is what's great because if anybody were like, oh no, all sevens would type out as sexual types. That's just, no, no, this is what's remarkable about it is that this is the variety of sevens that exist in the world. And, um, and so talk to me about the problems that, that neglecting it, avoiding it has caused you and how you are growing um, by using it, you know, how you're integrating it into your life a little bit more. I think it exacerbates our sevenness to flee from the heart space and connecting mm -hmm. on an emotional level. Like we don't mind connection, connecting on a mental or like doing something together. That's all cool. Yeah. But that emotional level, oh, that hits a whole nother dimension. It's like, ooh, you want to talk about that? Mm. So like when I encounter a dominant sexual type who like their instinct is like too strong, it pushes me away. They'll be coming forward. They'll be like, I want to be in your inner circle. And I'll be just backing back the whole time. Be like, okay, mm -hmm, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. I think that's the, one of the, the biggest things it does exacerbate our sevenness um, as sexually repressed sevens. Uh, I would speak for myself um, growing up through life. It doesn't mean that we don't engage and who engaged in sex necessarily. It just means the emotional connection is the area. I'm just going to be real. Like, let's be real here. It just means like the emotional connection, like a lot of times may not actually be there in things that we do, even in that realm. Um, but it also is a scary place to go. So that is, I would say the biggest thing. And I think for me, being a single black male at my age, it's kind of like, the whole relationship thing getting really deep and emotional. Like I noticed that there's a, there's a fear around there, but there's also an instinct that doesn't show up when it should, you know, <laughs> it's like the instinct should be showing up like, Hey, it's time to go, you know, con yeah, yeah, connect, yeah. connect with them one-on-one, -on -one, look them in the eyes and do all this stuff. And then my self, my instinct don't show up. And so my self prayers is like, back up. This is weird. Why did you look at your eyes? Stop that. Ooh, you know? So I would say it causes that. I'm glad you brought up the, the deep connection. So I want to, just for our, our listeners, the sexual energy has sort of three components to it. Risk, um, it has this sort of broadcasting of itself, putting itself out there, right? Throwing the fishing line out, see if there's any any bites on the other end. And then also the sort of immersion, uh, the deep, like getting into people or into projects. It's like, it's a real immersive experience for this energetic exchange. Um what it does is I'm glad you're talking about emotion, Milton, because the emotion, the heart center does match up pretty well with the sexual energy, just as the social matches pretty well with the head energy and the self-pres with the body. And that sort of sexual energy does wake up the heart a bit more. So as you were joking, uh, Andrew, about, uh, you know, a four having sexual energy, it enhances the, you know, it does. It brings up a bit more of the emotion in that, in that type. Um, and for the seven, it, it, if they are sexual seven, it does wake up the emotions a bit. 
Um, but to your point, uh, Milton, you're you're dead on. This is where the the self press really in, enhances the tendency of the seven to avoid the stuff that ooh, that can that's uh, you know painful. It's invasive. You know, it gets into your space and. Um, so yeah, that's a, a really good point. And I, and also please, you know, elaborate on the, um, the parts that for you, like the, you know, risk-taking, um, broadcasting, uh, immersion with other people, uh, talk about how, how that's been a problem and in what ways you growing through that. I would say looking at it in the form of a problem, it is like being able to connect, you know, with certain people that you may have wanted to connect to if you really thought about it that would have been a good connection but you was like eh, ain't worried too much about it i'm gonna go do me um i think that happens and not just on a like a partner relationship level like friends like someone who's like big in an area that you're excited about you know but not really fully going to reach out to them and having that because it's like i don't know if i want to have that so um, I see a show up there. Things that I do to work on my repressed center. Um, first, the pandemic has actually helped because um, you have to keep in contact with people. And so like as a coach and then with friends and different people, I've had to contact them more face to face because we don't see each other. So I've had to be a little bit more intimate with different friends and things. Um, and then it's allowing myself to share a little bit more of my deeper self with those who are really close to me, you know, because I would say there's even a level of guardedness to those I bring into my circle. It's just mm. that, right? Mm. So I, I am working on, actively working on that repressed instinct because I'm, I'm trying to give a little bit more of that because these are the people who I, I know I can trust and I love and I know they got my back, but you know, that instinct is strong and it's like, ah, it just, it, it doesn't even hit the radar sometimes. Yeah. Like, Right. You can share that. You know, it's like, uh, I guess. Yeah. So. And for me, it maybe the past two years, I've been consciously working on it. But I would just shut down. Like, my mouth would not speak. <laughs> and it, or if something would come up, if an uncomfortable emotion would come up, I'd be out of the room, you know, literally. And then the person would go, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is anything wrong with you? The emotion coming at you was like a tidal wave. It's just like, I don't have the tools to deal with that yeah. emotional wave coming at me and I need to escape. It doesn't come naturally to me to say, that's what's happening to me. I'm mm. having a tidal wave that I don't understand. I mean, that I've had to have a script next to me saying, you read it. I'm having, you know, you're having a tidal wave. <laughs> Go out of the room, but you need to tell the person yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that that's what's happening to you. And then that creates that bridge, you know, that keeps that connection uh, alive. Then you can go to the other room, you know, sometimes it's taken me three days to understand what exactly was happening to me because it's so, so mixed up, so overwhelming, gives me anxiety. But then the exercise has been to, as a last step, to come back to the person and say, that's what happened to me. And then the connection stays throughout the process. Whereas for me, the, the go-to thing, the, the default action would be sever, cut, you know, let whatever days, weeks go by and then carry on as though nothing had happened. Yeah. I have noticed I have selected um, relationships with man and my ex-husband, people that are emotionally not available. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 
just dawned on me that, you know, I tend to find these people. It's like, it's something that I really want so bad at some point in my life. And yet I keep picking these people and I'm like, well, it's because, and they're really not emotionally available. It's true. But I think maybe that's part of my self-preservation is there's that little fear of being vulnerable and going to that place myself. Mm. Yeah. I'm picking that. And then now that I'm really aware of this stuff, then I find like, I don't even really want to date at all. It's just, it's so much, it's so hard. And it just seems like there's so many people that like, I'm just like, well, it's just won't happen then, you know, but um, it's like, it's something I really want to experience like truly. And then I think like, I don't know that that's going to happen because my track record hasn't been that good, even knowing, you know, so I think I've got a lot of self-preservation hanging in there. Mm. And it hurts. I mean, it actually hurts this whole, I mean, it's really painful inside. I I feel it in my body, like my stomach will churn, (laughs) you know, and, and I, I just don't, don't feel comfortable. And to me, it's like to be hurt and then to hurt other people as well. Like if you meet Ooh. them and they like you and you don't like them, I don't want to, it really hurts me to hurt other people. Then I'm finding that it's just like, well, it's best not to participate at all. And then you can Oh, play. yeah. Well, you know, again, it's the, the funny thing about what we're learning through these panels is the neglected instinct actually uh, starts to create a problem for the dominant instinct because the instincts are are there to serve each other. So you can imagine, you know, if you're self-present, you like your circle and you like your close-knit group and you want to be able to trust them. If there's no sense of openness between you and that other person, mm-hmm. it hinders that depth. It hinders yeah. that connection. It takes a certain amount of risk to actually continue to provide security. It seems like an oxymoron, but the more you think about it, you start to see in the ways that you don't push to develop to grow will actually cause atrophy and keep you from being actually really healthy. Um, and so it's just there to serve. And that's what I love about this is it's, it's, uh, it's not to be a problem that you start to think, oh, I've got to somehow be better. And somehow. No, just, just look at where the problems are. And almost always the problems are around the neglected instinct. Well, I have to say thank you uh, to each of you, really. This has been an incredible treat to listen to um, all four of you and to hear even the variety in the way you know, you're answering. And um, it's been amazing. It's been so insightful. I think this is helpful to so many who are going to listen to this, that the distinct differences between self-press sevens, sexual sevens, and social sevens and um, really huge thanks to each of you. I know that uh, some of this is even figuring it out. And Susan, you were doing a little bit of that. I just want to say thank you for being on this panel because there is still like, I mean, we, we love reflecting even the process at where we are developing and learning and growing. Um, and you did that uh, really well. So again, thank you so much to each of you for being on this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today and through this series. And make sure you sign up for our Live Instincts event on Wednesday, May 19th, as we start to look at what do we do with this now? How do we grow through this? Because information is not transformation. We want to take this information and use it to help create practical transformation in our lives. And we look forward to doing that journey with you and being a part of it. Make sure you are subscribed so you see the new episodes pop up whenever they come out. If you leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps people discover the show. It really helps the algorithm that points people towards this work. You can follow us on Instagram at Art of Growth. 
and contact us about all of our work at www.theartofgrowth.org. But for now, my friends, may you remember that there is joy to be had and that it is a good thing, that this life is not merely to be survived. You are here to thrive and embrace your life with joy and wonder. May you care well for yourself so you are resourced to be a resource for others. May you find yourself on solid ground that the light of life would shine from you. Grace and peace today, my friends.